to the Zen Brain Podcast, where we explore alternatives to psychiatric medication and strategies for conscious lifestyle change. Here's your host and philosophical entertainer, Michael Pierce. Michael Pierce. scoffed at by nature lovers and even some gurus, the path of the intellect can be a very rewarding mind-altering experience. In addition, it usually leaves you feeling smarter or at least having something to talk about. The great intellects of all ages invariable circulate among contemporary writers, artists, and occultists, and bohemians. These sages all had one thing in common. They got off on what they did. The reason the intellects can get you high is that it brings you closer to understanding higher truths. Contemplation, the possibility of time travel, for example, forces the thinker to grapple with the notion of time itself. The pondering Jung theory of the collective unconscious can lead to insights about thought the interconnectedness of all living things, or even the reincarnation. The intellect is an avenue towards experience the great tens of the cosmos. In fact, contemplating anything will eventually lead you to a bigger question. One can contemplate anything will eventually lead you to bigger questions. One can contemplate computers, for example. The machines think in a binary digital code. Everything in ones and zeros, yeses and noes. Is that the way the whole universe works? The yin and the yang, is that the way that they're talking about? You see our point. What allows the great contemplators to think though is to the states of altered consciousness, is their ability to mentally ramble unedited and unashamed through the deepest regions of their mind. The joy of contemplation often comes from seeing how a tidbit can be generalized to explain something huge. The players of Herman Hesse's glass bead game had a new universal language which allowed them to ponder any branch of thought and related to empirically to another. They would develop a theme from the rules of one system and understood how they apply to another. The famous mathematicians, Paul Drower, believes mathematics is not an abstraction, but an existing world the human mind actively explores. When someone comes up with a powerful new property or formula, like Einstein's E equals MC squared, Erdos exclaims that in the book, what he means is that there are a few organization principles in the world. Through a specific inquiry, one can reach conclusions of an epic proportion. But, even more importantly, in light of his book's purpose, the intellect can bring your consciousness to unexplored regions. 
There is a famous story about the time James Joyce brought his daughter to see Carl Jung. Joyce was worried because she was depressed and heard voices and lived in a, a fictional world. After examining her, Jung soulfully informed Joyce that the girl was indeed schizophrenic and would require a great deal of psychiatric care. Joyce became worried, not just for her daughter, but for herself as well. The thing that the daughter heard and saw were the same images Joyce contemplated, experienced, and wrote about. Was he crazy too? No, replied Jung, while Joyce and his daughter were both swimming in the same deep part of unconscious sea, Joyce was swimming in the same... Joyce was diving in, finding pearls, and returning to the surface. His daughter was drowning down there. We mentioned this story not to frighten, but to inspire. The intellect does provide access to the hidden regions, the places you go to during a mystical experience. The intellect serves as a fuel for a number of different vehicles that can get you high. Try any of these, or just sit with a good smart friend and start talking. The Tradition of Paradox What is the sound of one's hand clapping? Calls to the blind old monk on Kung Fu who would puzzle little grasshopper for ten years with this kind of question. Most religious orders have volumes of literature devoted to explanations of and answers to riddles that their great masters and teachers left for them. Monks often spend their days pondering a single word choice by Buddha, Krishna, or Jesus. Often, however, these questions were never meant to be answered. It was by studying the riddle and moving your mind in the shapes and contortions that a particular riddle produces that you were to find enlightenment. In the same manner, we can re-examine the Zen cones, Sufi paradoxes, and Kabbalistic puzzles in order to reach higher states of consciousness through the intellect. Zen cones are supposed to be unsolvable without an alteration in consciousness. To understand the question, you must move out of normal consciousness. The insights associated with solving the cone is not intellectual, but rather from outside the cerebral dimension. You ponder a cone such as, what was your face before you were born? Whatever you're doing, you ponder this question. It is the mantra of your meditations, meals, and work. The frustration becomes unbearable until eventually your mind comes into another dimension in order to solve the problem. In the word of 13th century Lin Chi master Cheng Feng Meng Pen, this principle accords with the spiritual source, tallies with the mysterious meaning destroys birth and death and transcends the passions. It cannot be understood by logic. It cannot be transmitted in words. It cannot be explained in writing. It cannot be measured by reason. 
It is like the poisoned drum that kills all who hear it, or like a great fire that consumes all who come near it. The cone is a torch of wisdom that lights up the darkness of feeling and discrimination. For the essential of complete transcendence, final emancipation, total penetration, and identical attainment, nothing can surpass the cone. With this illumination comes a lightness of being as you understand the applications of the cone. To other aspects of life, the following book from which the precedent quote was taken is an excellent source of these kinds of puzzles. The Zen Cone, Beishu, Miru, and Ruth Fuller. Another excellent starting place is Zen Flesh and Zen Bones by Paul Reps. If you'd like to try working on a cone, here's a sample. A monk asked Basso, What is Buddha? Basso said, This mind is not Buddha. According to Master Mumon, anyone who fully understands this cone is a master of Zen. Another, Shuzan held out his short staff and said, If you call this a short staff, you oppose its reality. If you do not call it a short staff, you ignore the fact. Now what do you wish to call this? Sufis teach stories in a tradition similar to Zen masters. The Sufi also engaged in long contemplations of paradoxes hoping, too, that the works of these problems will lead to a higher consciousness. Instead of posing riddles, the Sufis generally tell stories for which enlightenment is a prerequisite to understanding. These teaching stories, or dervish tells, all end in the apparent non-sequiturs, finding the connection, making sense of the character's action or words release the spiritual energy that thrusts one further on the path towards enlightenment. Respected in the Sufi tradition, has written several volumes of teaching stories. It is insisted that the inner dimensions of the teaching stories, however, are held to make them capable of revealing according to the stage of development of the student more and more planes of significance. Our favorite of Shaw's translation is called The Cradle. A child was born, and the father went to a carpenter and asked him to make a cradle for it. The carpenter told him to come back in a week to collect it. When he returned, it was not finished. The man went back week after week, and still the cradle was not to be seen. Eventually, the child grew into a man. In his turn, he married, and his wife bore him a child. His own father said to him, Go to see the carpenter and ask him whether your cradle is ready yet. So the young man went to the carpenter's shop and reminded him about the cradle. Here is an opportunity, he said, for you to finish the job. I now have a small son, and the cradle will be ideal for him. 
Be off with you, said the carpenter. I refuse to be stampeded in my work just because you and your family are obsessed by what they want. The Sufis warn against using these stories or any practices for that matter in order to produce highs. The jackal thinks that he has feasted well when he has in fact only eaten the leaves of the lion. I transmit the science of producing states. This usually alone causes damage. He who uses it only will become famous, even powerful. He will lead men to worship states until they will almost be unable to return to the Sufi path. In Sufism, as with almost any of the religious paths suggested in this book, the seeker must be ready to commit more than a passing fancy to the philosophies of practices. These are not highs that can be easily experienced in one afternoon of effort. The following practice is no exception. The Kabbalah is said to have developed out of spiritual necessity. The Jews of this tradition believe that there was one kind of cosmic harmony on the earth, perpetuated by the proper placement of the original Ten Commandments in an ark in the first temple. It is said to have functioning like a crystal in a great cosmic radio. At this time in history, prophets walked the earth and knew the invasion was imminent and the temple would be destroyed. The Jews constructed an elaborate subterranean labyrinth for the Ark of the Covenant. Meanwhile, the prophets, knowing their time on earth was limited, created scriptures which, properly deciphered, hold the secrets of the universe and the keys to restoring harmony on the planet. These works included the Torah and some of the latter books of the Old Testament. For reason even they did not fully understand, the Jews passed off these scriptures following script rules for exactly how they want to be transcribed and pronounced. Early Jewish scholars began to slowly decipher these texts using techniques ranging from numerology to elaborate diagrams of the order of the universe. For the dedicated intellectual, it's supposed to be the pretty rewarding stuff using the Psalms as a guidebook for the visualizations of God's environs. These early mystics embodied ascending grades of consciousness in the concrete images that eventually lost their form and merged into pure light. After passing through seven states of consciousness, the mystics traversed several further heavens before arriving at the throne of God. The vision usually culminated here with the project from a cosmic man poised upon a brilliant seat of gold. Unfortunately, Kabbalah just isn't the kind of path you can try out on a free afternoon. We don't have the space here to demonstrate the kinds of enlightenment potentiated by these studies. We assure you that the Western, especially, they are quite rewarding. Part of the thrill of the Kabbalah for us is the fact that the main source of mystical energy is the Bible itself, which has been right under our noses. The most obvious... The other main source of inspiration for the mystics is the contemplation of the cosmic tree, an elaboration diagram for the structure of the universe and possible levels of consciousness. For further study, first try Kabbalah, the Traditions of Hidden Knowledge by Z.E.V. Ben Shaman. 
Um, it's an easy read and well diagrammed and written by a fine teacher of a Jewish mysticism. Also, Excellent Path is of the Kabbalah of David Shinken. Now, being able to predict the future has obviously been a benefit, but the ancient systems of astrology, tarot, and the I Ching and runes did not develop merely as a divinatory tool. They attempt to explain the nature of time and our motive through it. Studying any of these systems can lead to the great spiritual insight, whether or not you can care to know the wealth of your next lover. All of these techniques located tens and cycles in the universe. The Earth seems to circle the Sun every 365 and a fourth days. Certain things seem to happen in certain months. The positions of the planets to the influence or at least indicate forces at work on the Earth. Time seems cyclical rather than linear. These ideas are based on holographic view of the world. The tea leaves in the bottom of your cup are part of the motion of the universe and can thus reflect the movement of all of nature. Assuming the reader has a proper method of divination, similarly, six tosses of three on the I Ching coins produces one of 64 hexagrams that indicate the tosser's state of being or answers his or her questions. Our interest here is not necessarily in practicing these techniques but in exploring how they were developed and how they work. If intellectual highs are produced by momentary understanding, our connection to everything else around us, then surely the study of forms which demonstrate this fact are in order. <laughs> 